Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, White Sox fans. Oh, man, this is a fun post-game podcast. It's This is a fun post-game and pre-game podcast to do because that's what it turns out being. It was already going to be one. The fact that the game ended just before midnight means it really is a post-game and a pre-game podcast. Uh, no theme music tonight. We're just trying to do this uh, quick and dirty so we can get as much stuff out to you as possible. We got Di Billick working the recap, Darren Brown hitting the six-pack, Crystal O'Keefe doing our little uh social notebook uh so we got triple coverage coming which i'll get to post it on site as soon as i'm done talking with my post-game pre-game podcast guest this post-game podcast number seven after a victorious alds game three white Sox are alive it's adrian serrano joining once again thank you for staying up late uh i think we already commented that uh, you're pretty much going to finish this podcast and uh, head to the park for game four yeah exactly i got my uh I tra- changed over to some uh, cam- chamomile lavender here to settle down and uh, right. stop the hype, and I can get some sleep tonight. All right, yeah. If you bring the if you if you if you leave early enough, you can uh, bring your bedroll and probably sleep in the in the uh, bullpen next to Liam Hendricks, who probably gonna, isn't leaving. He was pretty far yeah. up. I was gonna I was gonna tweet that out. I was like, uh, yeah, you guys that are out there might as well just like sleep in your seats. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Those of us back when I was up there, it would have been a long enough trek back. It would have been very, very tempting. You just sort of find a place to crawl and then uh, yeah. crack it open the next day. Uh, all right. Well, we had a guy. What ended up being 11-6? Man, that was a ridiculous game. Yeah. Uh, for a time there, it seemed like all was lost. Uh, early on, the Houston had taken the Sox uh, seemingly a great punch between B- Dylan Cease's great first inning and a little bit of offensive punch, came back and took a lead. And the dugout, frankly, it looked yeah. as it should. It looked it looked dead. You didn't see a lot of life. Not that you're supposed to see rah-rah under these circumstances, but 
it looked a little imposing. Yeah. I don't think it was the negative White Sox fan and us saying, uh-oh. No, yeah, you didn't see, like, the guys lined up on the, you know, the rail like you would tend to see in a postseason game or an important game that matters. Um, yeah, the crowd was definitely, like, rocking early, you know, excited to be there. Uh, got down four runs, and then the crowd was kind of taken out of it for a minute, uh, you know, kind of brought back a bit by uh, Grandal's homer. Um, they're like, all right, all right. And then Leori's three-run homer just kind of like, all right, this is meant to be now. There's no way we're not winning this. Leori's hitting, you know, absolute missile center field home runs. <laughs> like, this is going to happen. I don't know how, but it's going to happen. And it was a crazy game, but uh, the crowd got back in it at that point. I don't think they ever really settled down from that point on. I think uh, I think it's something I had written, and I want to make a correction. I had said that Luis Robert was going to hit something into the shrubbery or maybe the deck. I actually meant – I really meant to type uh, Larry Garcia. Way to go, We'll start with an L. It's easy yeah, to exactly. I really – I got them. crossed up. I got crossed up. Um, uh, just a couple highlights before we maybe uh, center on uh, a few of the heroes, many heroes of this game. Uh, the third and fourth inning were the key offensive outputs for the White Sox. Uh, 17 guys made it to the plate. Scored eight runs, two homers. Yep. Those were the t- first two extra base hits. Uh, the same, <laughs> and it looked like it might be the only extra base hits of the series until that uh, eighth inning rally as well. The White yeah. Sox now have four extra base hits. Uh, they were four for eight with runners in scoring position. It was just really the offensive breakthrough they needed in the third and the fourth. Uh, 16 hits. In the game, a White Sox record, 16 strikeouts by the pitchers. I don't think a White Sox record, but some nice symmetry. Uh, Tim Anderson continues to carry this team. Now five of six, three hit games in his postseason career. His 16 hits in the first six, in in any six game stretch, forget first six games, (laughs) any six game stretch, his 16 hits most in baseball history. That is not nothing. Uh, extremely impressive. Oh, and I'm just going to correct myself. The 16 case actually is a White Sox record, which is interesting yeah. given some of the the pitching uh, prowess that they've had in the past in their very scant postseason uh, appearances uh, in the past. Uh, and Leori Garcia, we will start talking about him first. Adrian Yada referred already referred to his hit probably being the real difference maker in this game. 436 feet to center yeah. field, the longest Absolutely. home run he has hit in his life. Yeah. Uh, and you were Crushed. expecting it. You probably called it. Uh, I didn't call it. I think I thought <laughs> he had a chance. I thought like, all right, this is like Dusty Baker understands just like we do watching. Like this is an important moment. Like if they can stop it here, they feel good going forward. But like, it was like, all right, there's some momentum building. Like I'm going to, you know, you don't often see somebody pull the pitcher, you know, with two Oh, yes. like right in the middle of an at bat. Um, I don't know if it happened. I sent out a tweet. Nobody ever uh, got back to me, but we got to find out if there's ever been a Garcia that's been replaced by a Garcia to face a Garcia. <laughs> so like, it's like a triple Garcia <laughs> moment. If, in the playoffs. if there was uh, not a trace Garcia's outfield as the White Sox had a few years ago, yeah. I'm, I'm fairly certain that that succession of Garcia's has not happened. Yeah. Maybe a Garcia, of course, a Garcia facing a Garcia. But yeah, no, um, I, I, and he absolutely like, he was all over that pitch. I don't know what came over him, but like that was, you know, uh, just under his hardest hit ball of his career. Like, you know, he absolutely mm-hmm. tattooed that ball. Um, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, it was great to see. And it's like, once you got those guys, it felt a little more like the 2021 White Sox. Like once you have a guy that you're not expecting perform, perform, yeah. you know, my yeah. takeaway, one of the notes I had from today was that, you know, 16 hits, 11 runs, only one hit and one RBI from Jose Abreu. Like yeah. it's kind of nice to see them score, 
double digits without Jose Abreu having a three or four RBI game, right. you know, cause we know he could do that, but like they need other people to go. It's nice to see, uh, you know, uh, Eloy didn't have a great game, but he had a decent game. It looked like he felt his confidence coming back. It's like, okay, I can do this, you know, like, yeah. uh, faced Javier at the end there. And I, he was just nasty for the mm-hmm. Astros. He was just mowing people down. But, uh, I felt like a lot of the guys that have kind of had a little bit of struggle, uh, you know, sheets had a decent day with two singles. Um, Robert only got on base twice, you know, <laughs> yeah, really come on, Luis, step it up. <laughs> Um, even uh, Cesar Hernandez, this is the first time, this is the lineup I kind of expected in game one. I expected Leary in right field mm-hmm. and Cesar at second. I know people were kind of down on Leary after that, like right field, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Michael Brantley thing in Houston. But like, you know, historically, if yeah. you look at the numbers, like uh, Leary has been much better defensively in right field than he has been at second base in his mm-hmm. career. So like it made sense that that's what they were going to go with. And it kind of switched on us. Well, and the best thing that happened for Leori is, uh, even though this, the, the, he and Angle, certainly Angle do funny things with splits, you knew a traditional manager like Tony was going to run him out there right field against a right hander. So you knew he was going to get a chance to redeem himself in this game. I know there are some people pushing back saying we need, you know, we need Angle in there or whatever, but. Uh, you know, the, the truth is, uh, you know, he's the longest tenured guy. I mean, we've talked a lot about yeah. him, like, oh, geez, he's, he's, you know, he's not uh, a tailor for the Dodgers or whatever. Um, you know, he's a replacement level guy, but yeah. he's the longest tenured White Sox. It's just wonderful to see him do what he did. Yeah. And encroaching on our post-game podcast, God bless her. She apparently has just finished a recap, or she's pausing her recap, and I'm sure it's going to be a delightful one. Can't wait to read it. It's Di Billick, who is uh, doing our Game 3 coverage here. And uh, perhaps you're the lucky charm. Maybe we got to squirrel you into coverage tomorrow, because yeah. uh, what's going on, Di? Hey. What's up? We won. I was just like I said, I wasn't nervous at all. Cool as can be. Cool I as only cover be. I only cover winners. Yeah. I was not messaging Brett saying, I'm nervous. Oh no, what are we gonna do? Yes, those have been deleted. They're scrubbed. No, uh, they didn't exist actually. Uh, they didn't, they just, it never happened. At this point, die we are just sort of running through the many heroes uh of this game. We've just discussed Leori. I think it's time to move on to Yasmani Grandal because he he played several different hero roles here. First, that ridiculous screaming foul ball homer, which sort of gave you a thought, hey, wait, they're seeing this starting pitcher yeah. pretty well, Garcia. Uh, and then, of course, the home run that's that sort of was the first counter uh, after the Sox had been staggered. And then the absolutely bananas play, uh, very reminiscent of, I guess, reminiscent of A.J. Przinsky, except I don't think Yasmani was actually doing anything really to sort no. of blatantly mm-hmm. pull one over on uh, no. anyone. Uh, yeah. which turns out to be a controversial play and getting Houston Astros fans up in arms, which I got to say, yeah. pretty nice to sit back it and is. just yeah. chuckle about. You yeah. know what he said in his post-game interview? He said, I'm slow. <laughs> I was just <laughs> going. I was just going. Yeah. And you know what? It, he's, you know, like Tony said, he didn't zig or zag. Yeah. No one zigged it was a straight line. It, it was, it, you know, maybe he like shouldered it or something. Also, yeah. if he did, good heads up play by him. I'm very mad at AJ tonight. I mm. have covered it in my game coverage, which I am finished with. Mm. And the the audacity of him to call that out is if he knew <laughs> when he's the dirtiest bitch yeah. when it comes to any of that stuff. So here and now, I just want to say for yeah. all of us, that it's no longer called AJing. It's now the Yaz. 
that you yeah. yeah, like oh, that. As long as it's not a dirty, dirty play, then it's an AJ. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's pretty clear he did not make any kind of movement like that. Now, granted, he, he was in the grass, no doubt about it. He was in the grass. Here's another thing that people aren't really painting. As we see the multiple, multiple replays, Guriel, he, he could have adjusted his throw. Mm-hmm. I mean, he threw it into him. like I mean, it would have taken like six inches or two inches to get past him. It's not like it would have gone way up the line. It would have gone just maybe a little bit to home plate, yeah. which would have been I, the play. It's like, I, what? I think, yeah. And I think that's the, I think that's what the, the umps got together and said, like, Grandall made no attempt to disrupt that play. He was running. Maybe he was running a little inside, but there's no rules that says he can't run a little inside, you know, like, especially because the way he grounded that ball over, he rolled it over. He's coming out of the batter's box. Like he's just kind of going towards the base. Um, yeah, but it is funny to see Astros fans uh, call out some cheating. <laughs> they, uh, give me a break. They need a scapegoat because they have guilty consciences. So they're going to look for yeah. anything and just grasp onto it like the dirty cheaters they are. I haven't forgotten. You know, uh, including some very prominent people in Major League Baseball, we're making really bold claims and denigrating the White Sox about them being from a crap division and being a mediocre team that can't defend and essentially predicting a sweep. It didn't happen. And now it really might not happen. Yeah, what happened to the sweep? I I just, it it must be some type of cheating. (laughs) Oh, wait, no, wait, 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 wait. That's the Astros. That is the Astros. Sorry, I got confused. I would have been been very surprised if this White Sox team, just with all the talent, got swept. Like, I'm like, I wouldn't have been surprised for them to lose to this team just because the amount of postseason experience between the two teams is so wide. But, like, I would have been surprised to see them get swept. So, like, it's, it's not surprising me that it's at least going for um but yeah i never want to hear another twitter troll talking about yasmani not doing the little things mm-hmm. in baseball <laughs> like yeah. the guy does everything he can do you know like that's just it's not pretty he's the james harden of the mlb yeah <laughs> this game is not attractive but it's effective Adrian, i also why have the astros had five post seasons in mm. a row because yeah. they're cheaters. I'm oh, sorry, I forgot yeah. again. I do hope, yeah. but I, it's like they just like they don't think about it. Like I don't know. Like I don't know if AJ was talked to before this season or this series and said like, "Hey, you really got to make sure that people don't think that you're a homer for your old team." Because like I feel like even Wainwright was in the booth like trying to talk up the White Sox. Like oh, that was really good, and AJ would be like, "Have go out of his yeah. way to like, no, 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 yeah. I'm gonna knock that down." You know, <laughs> like they should have done this instead. Like it was really just weird, but like just. I can't imagine talking about anything prior to 2020 with the Astros, like with anything, but like an asterisk in my own mind, I wouldn't bring it up. Like I wouldn't necessarily talk about it if they don't want to address that during the broadcast. Cause it's the MLB broadcast, but like, just don't talk about it then. Don't talk about history. Don't not- talk about past stats. Like just talk about this team and last year's team. And that's it. You know, another thing, Adrian, that I would hope that they would make note of or just skip is when they're deciding to crow about their great plate discipline and the fact that in four of the last five seasons, they've had the best strikeout discipline. Um, yeah. That directly has to do with the fact yeah. that the trash cans were banged. You don't have yeah. to, you don't have to say, well, they must suck at it. You don't yeah. have to say, man, they're really, they've been great. I mean, that direct, you can even talk about the playoffs to die to die's point. I mean, okay. They still made the playoffs, obviously with a lot of aid. That thing is directly affected by mm-hmm. the trash. That well, is the yeah. scandal. But instead it's like, yeah, you know, four out of five years, man, they're darn good with plate discipline. 
well, keep, keep, keep being in yeah. the can. This trio right here might help a playoff push. <laughs> we got, we got 10 think pieces about uh, whether Craig Kimbrell was affected by the, you know, the sticky stuff crackdown, but I got yeah. nothing about the Astros. Yeah, exactly. Like, literally yeah. knowing yeah. what pitch is coming. No kidding. No kidding. Or All literally right. that like the guy that invented that scam is now coaching the other team in the American League. <laughs> but then, then the whole thing's going to crash. So they got to sort of just keep pretending a little bit. Let's talk bullpen a little bit. Because obviously it was outstanding. It has to be outstanding when your starter doesn't make it through two innings. Yeah. We'll get to Dylan Cease maybe after the break. Michael Kopech did what he needed to do. Ryan Tapera blew people's minds. Aaron Bummer, whatever's greater than that, he did tonight. Uh, and then, you know, okay, Kimbrell and Hendricks, great. But yeah. those three guys, holy cow, they, yeah. they really like- won this game for the White Sox. I got four guys that I'm like, I can't really like, I got to take some time and think about like who had the most dominant. Um, the one that jumps to mind is bummer just because like five K's for bummer. Like he's not a strikeout pitcher. Mm-hmm. Like he is a ground ball guy. And like, they gave him the contract when he was pitching really well. And he was averaging like, you know, maybe like eight or nine K's, you know, per nine. Like now he's up to like, you know, 11, 12, like that's a big, add to his game if he can have that heavy sinker and be throwing that slider that slides two feet to the left like that is a really really nasty guy coming out of the bullpen um but yeah everybody in the bullpen was great i mean 16 strikeouts is a record but the starter only had two you know yeah. so 14 from the bullpen as long as i mean like our bullpen stepped up so i'm not gonna be mad at dylan sees the thing that shocked me the most was Tapera because i always tell my dad I text my dad little Russian flags when Tapera or Kimbrel are up <laughs> because I think that they're a sleeper cell for the Cubs. <laughs> I send like little Russian dolls and it's like our, it's our joke, but Kimbrel has been much better than Tapera. I know that Tapera has come in and pitched some okay, mm-hmm. but every time I see him, I mm. like my butthole clenches up. I'm like, this is the end. We're going to lose. And do I think he's a sleeper cell? Of course not. It's ludicrous. You wouldn't like, you know, sabotage your own record. But regardless, I, I had no trust in Tapera at all. I think he was the, the one that I trusted the least and he came in and killed it. I was mm-hmm. shocked that that was a preface to bummer who sometimes has it and sometimes doesn't. And it was just flawless. I was screaming. It was so sick, man. Yeah. He came in. It was like, like Kopech pitched pretty decently. Like he did give up the Homer and, you know, a little bit, but like he pitched two and a third, I think, and almost hit, you know, just under 50 pitches, like, and two innings for Tapera was like 23. Like, it was like, he was efficient and just like, no, you weren't hitting this. I decided you're not hitting this and you're not. Yeah. This is how I accidentally got an MVP vote last year. <laughs> I think so um, Kopech gets, gets uh, the sort of, he gets some hero, heroism medals for what he did bailing out the team in terms of uh, uh, WPA. He was in the negatives. The two pitchers that stood out, at least in terms of uh, win probability added uh, to Para with 97, a bummer with 85. Uh, and, you know, those two guys, the three and two thirds innings, they put together seven strikeouts, no hits, no walks. I mean, that's the key. They shut this team with great plate discipline, mm. really tough bats. They got dangerous bats everywhere, shut them completely down. And who exactly would have thunk that? Uh, it's got to make Dusty and the Astros now a bit, put them a bit on their heels and say, okay, now hold on. Those guys yeah. aren't, weren't even the guys and they kicked our ass. Uh, yeah. Huh. 100%. This is the first time I've seen like the bullpen seem to like 
make an adjustment to what the Astros were trying to do. Like we played the first two games and the Astros were clearly like, we're not going to swing. We're not, we know you guys are going to try to throw really like sharp breaking stuff. That's out of the zone and never comes close. We know you're going to try to like throw fastballs way out and we're just not going to eat at that. But like, you know, Tapera and bummer coming right at them. Like, you know, they had to change the way they had to change their approach. They brought it to them rather than waiting for the Astros to bring it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it was uh, a, a more effective game plan. Okay, let's take a quick break, uh, come right back, talk about a couple other figures from this game, and then preview a little bit about tomorrow, maybe talk a little blackout. We'll do that in the second half of our program, which will begin in just seconds. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Once Die returns from running back from the other room. Okay, well, we are back. It is part two of postgame podcast number seven. We are celebrating the White Sox victory, 11-6, game three of the ALDS ensuring a game oh well according to adrian his alarm clock's ringing already because it's mere minutes for him he's about to hop on the l or get in his car and head down there because he is there for us in game four tyrone palmer is going to be there celeste Rodonio, uh probably a number of other people but uh, those are the ones i know offhand uh let's talk about someone that we have not often lauded as a hero for the white Sox, and we're not sure we'd exactly call him a hero but here's the name i'm gonna throw out at you Tony Larusa. I, I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> he seems uh, to push Tony, push I will right give buttons. Tony his credit today. Yeah, I will give Tony his credit today, mostly just for finally letting Michael Kopech pitch. That's <laughs> <laughs> the crazy part about the fact that, like, such got, a like, low Michael, bar. Michael Kopech, Michael Kopech <laughs> had a decent game. He had some rough start, but like, you realize, like, well, this is his first postseason appearance. Like, well, like, it's in my mind, it's like, oh, I have to stop and think about that because this is the third game, and there's no way in my mind that Michael Kopech has not appeared until the third game of this five game series. But you know, here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, he stayed under 50 pitches, so I imagine that he's still available. You know, for at least an inning tomorrow, or at least you know a couple batters mm-hmm. um, if he has to go. Um, but yeah, no, I can't imagine, but yeah, no, Tony, Tony did everything right today. Like I said, this is this lineup I expected from game one. Like, uh, so I kind of, I'm like, all right, now I see it, (laughs) you know, now I see the plant. And obviously it isn't, yeah, go ahead. Di. I think that Kopech calmed everything down. So he definitely Mm -hmm. deserves that credit. He did great. He did his job. He didn't do perfectly, but I mean, like, give me a break. He it, it, he was he was good. He did the job. Uh, the only thing that I thought of, just because I was really nervous when the game started, was like, oh, Cesar Hernandez. Uh, mm. And that's all. I mean, everything else seemed like Tony knew what he was doing. And you know what? He he yanked Cease at the exact right time. 
He pulled Kopech at the right time. Everything was just clicking today. Yeah, and it helps when the guys you're calling on come through. I mean, obviously, we know the manager's just the guy. I don't know what he's driving the bus, whatever, whatever dumb metaphor I'm not going to be able to find here. But, you know, he's... um, you know, he's going to get maybe even undue credit for the team just executing, right? So, I mean, uh, obviously we can't just say, well, he doesn't deserve credit, but then yell at him about games one and two, of course. Uh, but, you know, there's something to be said. He didn't get in the way. He didn't um, overmanage or just make, he didn't make, say, a defensive change that's curious. There were people even speculating, mm-hmm. well, maybe Adam Engel is hurt, which is why he didn't start today, perhaps, or why he had to leave the game in game two. No, he was out there in the ninth inning. So that's <laughs> yeah. not true. So, I mean, we, we want to try to find maybe excuses for why some of these things happened. You know, certainly the Tony Lewis apologists want to. Uh, and, you know, maybe it just wasn't. Maybe he just, he's right. It's been, what, 11 years. Uh, yeah. Maybe he's getting back into it too. And, uh, you know, but I think it's, it's fair to tip a cap, even if it's in the category of staying out of the way. Uh, I think he did what he needed to do, and you got to put this one in the uh, definitely in the win yeah. column for Tony. Yeah, I think I think the big part of what you said there was that the biggest thing is that just this was the first game that like Tony didn't do anything that was really crazy outside of what everybody would expect. Like we came in expecting Adam Engel to be a defensive replacement, which is yeah. what he was today. We expected you know right. Leary played himself into a starting role. We expected you know Gavin uh, Sheets also played himself into a starting role at DH. Like so, we kind of this is. The only thing that Tony really probably inserted himself in that was outside of the realm of normal was just trying to that little get right moment for Kimbrel to get him back in the game and get some positive success. You kind of felt that I thought he was going to continue after they got the extra runs, but um, I think Liam would have fought him. I really think Liam, like you saw Liam's face when like he had to stop warming up because you saw Kimbrel was going to come in. And I thought Liam was going to just like have a meltdown. He wanted the pitch so badly. He could have to be in there. Here's the crowd. The crowd is absolutely, absolutely bonkers and Liam cannot pitch and he's just uh feeling it uh <laughs> but if he had just sat down and let Kimbrell take the rest of the game he could have started game four because sure, that's yeah. the transition to the next thing that's we're what, about. We're that was my, s- my joke was like if, if Liam doesn't get in here he's pitching three innings tomorrow yeah, or- <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna skip talking maybe about season unless we end up with bonus time here but let's talk about now what this because uh on the post game you know uh they were talking about oh man the Sox are in great position now of course momentum has shifted the bats are out of cold storage they they actually can hit things that aren't singles even though boy the percentage is still like 98 percent singles mm. uh but pitching wise they're not necessarily in great shape uh we're presuming yeah. rodan is the start i don't know if, if you've i think he's, some... he's listed he's listed as official he is he's listed confirmed. as official all right yeah so. and i think it, and i think it's equity for uh right uh, astros yeah. so i mean you know he's going to give you what he can and we don't know if that's just going to be a couple innings uh, we're hoping it's going to be you know five or six and it probably will end up being somewhere in between obviously the bar has been set pretty low given uh, dylan's a uh, seat uh, yeah. uh, uh start today but then three, three or four should be good <laughs> right i mean who who you know who i mean liam Hendricks is probably good for at least two tomorrow kimbrell obviously is going to be fresh from whether that's a good thing or not i mean imagine anybody with a day off coming up can pretty much come back out you were even mentioning michael kopech adrian uh, so i mean it's still probably all hands on deck not necessarily everybody's fresh but uh you know it, it, do do we see a pattern that's going to happen with the pitching is it just uh do you think kopech is still the first guy to come in when rodan is pulled I don't know if he's necessarily the first guy to come in uh, because he was the only guy that actually kind of worked a little bit, you know, getting up towards 50 pitches. That's the really the underscore of all of this, like, you know, really great pitching by the bullpen, but uh, bummer, you know, right around 20, 23 pitches, like the 25 for, uh, 
you know, some other guys like Tapera was like right around 25, like only 10 for Liam Hendricks. So these guys that yeah. came in, they were effective and they really didn't put a lot of pitches up. So like, I expect everybody, but you know, if anybody's got any like limit, maybe Kopech limited to one inning instead of multiple innings, mm-hmm. like I expect the full bullpen uh, array to be out there. And even, you know, if they can get the win tomorrow, like I expect, you know, maybe a uh, silver lining is that Dylan Cease is available, you know, if they need somebody in that game five, like, so like they have, a day off and you know more arms available I think Carlos Rodon's going to give you everything he can I think he's going to be trying to go full effort right off the bat to see like if I can give you two decent innings and you know whatever I can give you I'm going to try to so um, I think uh, they've only faced the Astros starter once once before I think once earlier this year but I think Angle was batting second that game. So like you, how much you can take from that? I don't know. Like that's not the real lineup. Tim was over four. Tim's not going to go over four. He's probably going to have three hits. Like, cause that's what Tim does. Three hits in five of his six playoff games. Right. Right. And game five is not going to be concerned because based on a rest and ineffectiveness, Mm -hmm. we've got the entire starting rotation is going to be available for game five. So we really just got to get to a game five. Uh, Die Rodan going out uh, tomorrow. How are you feeling about that? Do you think this momentum has has really shifted to uh, to really get his um, his pitching a little uh, as sharp as it's been, and maybe even add a little velocity? He's had a lot of rest. Concerned about his shoulder, of course, naturally, like we all are. But I think that with the offense coming back to life and everyone breathing life into our lineup, that being good for two or three innings is mm-hmm. going to be what I expect, just based on the fact that he. Tony said he probably wasn't going to be ready to go in time for the playoffs. The fact that, you know, we're putting him in now is awesome because he's great, but luckily we have the bullpen to back it up. So I feel okay with it with a win today. I'm 80% less nervous, especially in comparison to the Astros bullpen. Ours is better. Mm -hmm. And you know, like you can look at the numbers and argue, but you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> if you argue. Yeah. And there's something to be said, you know, we, we talk about, you know, momentum and it uh, doesn't exist and all that, but here, the fact that the White Sox had that little mini rally that made even the use of Liam Hendricks, uh, perhaps even questionable uh, does bode. Well, I think there's something to be said uh, for how that spills into, especially given again, Adrian, I think is already on the road on his way to game four uh, with the fact that this isn't even a night game. This isn't night to night. They are playing. I mean, as of the end of the game, 15 hours later would be first pitch. Uh, I think that momentum will play into it. So then if the white yeah. side can strike first two, three innings, that's going to may could, it could give Rodan unexpected confidence and give mm-hmm. him maybe even a little longer leash. Uh, uh, if nothing else, it's going to allow them to get away with maybe just three innings from Rhodes yeah. on and go right to the bullpen because you've already got that lead. Uh, it bodes really well. Here's one thing I do want to throw out there before we do run out of time. And that is even if the White Sox lost this game, it was such a relief to see that the White Sox were able to get a little bit of luck. They'd gone yeah. two plus games with zero yeah. luck, no Finally. good breaks. Finally and the fact, that, the fact that the White Sox, <laughs> yes, they were putting together all this stuff that was driving us crazy about that. It was funny. We weren't talking about how bad the Astros defense must be because their positioning was wrong. All these little dinky singles, another 8,000 singles, this time station to station, scoring guys, fundamental play that didn't seem too good because the first baseman throws the ball into the catcher running toward him. Okay, whatever. Uh, but it's just nice to see some of those breaks and it happened in a huge burst uh, and it maybe even extends to some of the two strike hits, you know, that fell that didn't because the White Sox were really doing everything that was so annoying about the Astros in the first two games. It turned and now it's the White Sox doing it. That feels like something that can carry to a, a game four as well. 
Yeah, I'm not a huge believer in momentum, momentum as far as teams, but there is something to be said for the uh, that feeling that kind of comes over a team or a single player when everything's going bad. We talked about uh, Aloy earlier, like just kind of getting those hits and that RBI, like just feeling like, oh yeah, I can do this again. Like you don't feel like the world's out to get you. Yeah. And like I felt like, yeah, for the first two games, like anything that could have went the White Sox way did not. But like then we finally got a little bit of baseball happening in that third inning, a couple, you know, bleeders just kind of got through, you know, and like that's going to happen eventually to everybody but it's nice but to it's, see them kind of get over that hump and feel like all right it's baseball again you know don't have to take it so seriously it's more than momentum as well it's home field advantage our mm-hmm. home record is ludicrous yeah. and uh unfortunate when you look at the big picture but fortunate when you know we have another game at home and because of that it seems like we'll force us to game five with the momentum and the home field so Woo, buddy. Yeah. Oh, uh, sh- shocking that in this game, only one player didn't get on base of the regulars twice. And that's Jose Abreu. I think, uh, Adrian, you mentioned the fact that, that what was great about this game, too, yeah. is it wasn't carried by Jose Abreu in yeah. any way. Uh, but everybody else just was racking up uh, yeah. the, the on base, uh, in- including walks. Uh, yeah, you know, I think five walks ten, for the I think White all Sox. All 10 people, I think all 10 Sox that had an at bat got a hit. At least that's one. true. Adam Engel, yeah. poor guy. Didn't Adam Engel didn't get the, he got that's in, so but right. he didn't get into the bat. So like, he doesn't count, but like everybody that got in, it felt like uh, it was, it was nice to see uh, uh, Andrew Vaughn come in and get a little bit of success and like, and feel like I felt like the weight of the world was on his shoulders the last two months as he was just absolutely bottoming out. So it has to feel good to come in in a big moment and do what he does with only two lefties on the Astros, uh, you know, bullpen roster, you're not going to see a lot of <laughs> Andrew Vaughn, but like, yeah. it's good to see him in that one moment come through. Now, Di, I understand having done it even on the beat and certainly for Southside Sox, that the game recap can be a very arduous process. It takes a lot out of you. I can see that you, you hit the showers, you got showered up, you came back out with a new uniform. So your excuse for not participating in the blackout for this podcast. However, uh, let's talk about how the po- uh, blackout Looked, it seemed a little less effective, a little less uniform than 2008, but in the in the ballpark, uh, and the players seemed like to a one said that was a factor. Hundred percent. Uh, on post game interviews, they said. I mean, everyone mentioned how fired up they were and how much they were feeding off the crowd. And you know, some people didn't follow the instructions of the very simple homework. Don't we all have like at least three? like white sock shirts that are black. And if not, don't we own black clothes? Because, wow. You know, like a black blank Mm t-shirt? Anyway, besides the point. It was electric. You know what fired me up the most? The chance of (laughs) cheater, cheater. Oh, my God. I just want everyone to hear it. I want everyone to hear it and never forget. But also I want, I was was like happy and proud to see that everyone can see what a great fan base Mm -hmm. we have and how fired up we were. I mean, like (laughs) there's not a lot of fan bases where you can go out and you can tell that the majority of people in the crowd know their baseball, watch a lot of the games, know what they're talking about, Mm -hmm. know the players and just have a general like I'm there for baseball, not to be in this glorified bar because there's nothing else to do here or whatever it is. Right. But yeah, they a lot of people said, several players said that they got so fired up by the crowd and by the blackout. Uh, I wasn't there in person, 
and I wasn't there in person at the 08. I watched both on TV. <laughs> I don't know, Brett, you were there in person in 2008. Mm-hmm. Do you think, what, what do you think was more effective or more exciting? Well, I think the novelty, I, I think probably gives the edge of 2008. The fact that the towels were all black in these ones, I'm not sure why they did that, but <laughs> yeah. uh, just took a little bit off. But then at the same time, this year, it's the playoffs. It, I mean, I know getting, yeah. into it, getting into the playoffs is a big deal. And just the novelty of it was amazing. And of course, the game was truly classic. This one wasn't even classic in the same way because it was sort of sloppy and weird. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, this was for something. So, I mean, you might really, when it comes down to you might have to give the edge of this game just because, all right, well, this could be part of a world series run in in a way that you know sort of 2008 blackout uh game was sort of but you know i yeah i'll just you know i'll just uh i'll just pair it with uh what tim anderson said after the game yeah, it's the biggest cries i've ever been to okay baby <laughs> you know so hey baby yeah that uh hey, baby I, I feel like i feel like the novelty of it in 2008 kind of got people to buy in a little more i want to say like watching that game on tv i remember like the novelty like- what do you mean what do you think about the novelty? <laughs> felt, what are you talking about? Like, now there's a blackout. Just be, yeah, just because it hadn't happened before. So like it felt like I like 98, 99% of the crowd was in black. You would see like the occasional white t-shirt from that game back then. But like now the crowd was probably crazier and more energetic this time because we had 13 years to wait instead of five years since or three years since the World Series, you know, when the blackout came happened. Like you kind of had a winning team. Like we haven't had a winning in a while. So like this fan base is hungry. But like, yeah, I did feel like maybe it was like 90% of people were in black and there was quite a few that weren't or not trying, especially right behind home plate in the very expensive seats. It's like, come on, you can't give these guys, yeah. you got yeah, food, but you can't give them a black yeah. shirt to wear. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> really. I didn't see that motherfucking Eminem's jacket. Yeah, well, yeah. You know. I'm happy to see that. Every I would every I wish, regular season game. I would if I'm Jerry, I get that guy in all black M&M's jacket. Like this is there. He's paying for tickets. Like, you know, what's it to you? Like just get in this really <laughs> slick M&M's White Sox hybrid jacket like and he's going to wear it probably, you know, at other games. They might um, be they might be giving M&M's guys seats to Kane guy now. I don't know. But yeah, no. Uh back to what uh <laughs> yeah. I was saying what I was saying earlier like I was getting videos from people that were there and like each individual section had their own like chance going just mm-hmm. absolutely like attacking the Astros players. Like Michael Brantley was absolutely getting it all day. Every time he was in the outfield, like they were going like, and it wasn't like, Hey, number, whatever. Like, no, it's, Hey, Michael, Brantley. Personal. <laughs> I know who you are. Here's your baseball card. <laughs> uh, 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 my favorite chant came at the very end in the ninth inning. Socks in five. Yep. Socks carried on throughout. Yep. Yeah, Ooh, Liam, was... On, Liam was uh Liam's on board with it too. He yeah, he is. Socks and five in his uh, post game interview. Like, yep. all right, that's it. Hashtag socks and five. Like, that's what yep. we're doing. So, uh, all black uh, tomorrow, Adrian. You know, I'm doing drill. it. Yeah. Okay. I did it all day today. I wasn't there at the game in person, but I was all day, you know, in black today. So I'll be doing the same. You know, we won't have to, none of us will have time to change. So we're just going to like, okay, yeah, this is this is what it is. It looks like um, I'm in my office right now, but this is just a backdrop. But I'm actually yeah. up on the, you know, that's nice. You did that HD <laughs> thing. That's really cool. You're, yeah. yeah. I think Liam, I, I think he heard his name. I think he's right around the corner. This is, this is, the, new this is the new fundamental. <laughs> nice. Oh, man, it really is warm up there wow that's really sweet i thought it'd be chilly by now but uh yeah that's one factor i think too between 2008 and now it was cold 
2008 game and somehow even though this is two weeks later in the year is not Warm. as cold so i yeah. guess maybe that makes people feel a little froggy yeah i'm gonna wear my white because the sun might beat down on me i don't know i don't know we'll see what happens tomorrow for a day game because it is just mere hours away and of course this is our dual post game and pre game because the turnaround is <laughs> quick the fact that the game took eight thousand hours to finish only made it easier not to do a pre-game for this next <clears> game but we are <throat> going to be with you after the game uh, after game four, after the game four victory, we'll be talking post game podcast. And then off day, we'll be previewing, uh, you know, game five. And then after game five's win and the improbable march onto the ALCS, we'll be doing a post game there too. So we'll keep that stuff running at you only when they sort of smash into each other, aided or not by a five and a half hour game, uh, will we sort of skip the pregame thing. But we've pre previewed about as much as you can. Momentum's going to kick continue to kick for the Sox, whatever that means. I know somebody like Tim Anderson, baby, he's feeling it. So he doesn't care about your numbers. He is feeling it. And let's not question him. 16 hits in six games. Never been done in the playoffs before. So, you know, uh, kudos to Tim. My God, he has carried this team now really in, in two playoff series. And, and God bless him for it because he is the heartbeat of this ball club. Uh, so full coverage, I'm going to get to all the editing to get all the game three stuff up here tonight, along with this podcast. And tomorrow we're going to have another full slate of a lot of extended expanded coverage of, uh, of, of the game of what will be a victorious uh, Adrian's going to see his first in-person playoff victory. Correct. Yep. And the last game I was there uh, was Carlos Rodon's last start of the regular season. He didn't have his best stuff, but he gave five innings, uh, one, I think one hit. So like, yeah, we get something close to that. Like I'm going to be more than happy, you know, like I think Carlos Rodon's going to give you everything. He's going to leave everything on the field. This mm-hmm. might be his last White Sox start. He knows it. This is, might be his last time pitching in front of this crowd. It's going to be an emotional time. He's going to give it to us. I yeah. think. I mean, he's pitching for his next contract, but you know, that those buttons are getting unbuttoned. You know, he is going, yeah. even though it's like, Oh boy, he might not I have a Jersey on myself. by the fifth inning, but he's going to be out there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he's, uh, but basically what you're saying, Adrian is your good luck charm. That's cool. Yeah, that's All what right. I'm going that's for. Cool. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm looking for Luis Robert. You didn't get it today, but I think you're going to get it tomorrow. He just missed a few balls. He's still seeing the ball so well right now. Like I think he's going to get something soon. Uh, we're going to have a big, uh, coming out party if there is even possible to even look better than he has already in the postseason Luis robert is gonna you know really make a name for himself soon here the three of us feeling good about a victory tomorrow is that the prediction yeah game five i don't know what's gonna happen in game five but we're gonna get there okay we're gonna get to a game five i'm assuming die is predicting the same thing and so in that case uh, who knows maybe some of us will be even on more more coverage for a game five, which I haven't exactly planned out completely. So yeah. uh, on behalf of Diabilic, our recapper for today, and Adrian Serrano, our good luck charm connected, just connected by the hip with uh, go ahead and with start, Rose. Start, start looking for uh, plane tickets. Flights? On the okay. All right. <laughs> the tickets apparently are cheaper. Yeah. So yeah. let's, let's uh, book some flights. And uh, yeah, we look forward to covering, uh, having a great game four coverage for you at Southside Sox. And of course, game five, because it's going to happen. Uh, but as always, thanks for reading. Thanks for listening to our podcast. And thanks for even watching sometimes. Uh, Adrian, thanks for hopping on in this yeah, very problem. late hour and have yourself yeah. a hell of a time a, at the game tomorrow. Sleep and I'm going to be out there. I hope to uh, see some people. All right. Sweet, sweet. Have a good time tomorrow. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with you with more stuff tomorrow.